What on earth is that? It's a Journey into Comics Network production! The following podcast, scheduled for one fall, is for the Journey into Wrestling Podcast Tag Team Championship. Because the Warhorse will fight until he breathes his last breath. I got the whole damn world in my hands. Your arms are just too short to box with God. You just made the list! But the man is back. Daddy's home. Ricky ain't about just taking titles. I'm about taking this up to another level that you've never seen before. I'm a wildfire burning across the countryside. I am Napalm Death. Welcome to Villain Enterprises! No fans, no company, no entity, all pro wrestling. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Journey into Wrestling. It's Journey into Wrestling Season 4, Episode 26. Pump the fucking brakes, what? Er, Episode 26 means this is also the one-year anniversary of Buckles being on our show, dude. It is. Welcome to Journey into Wrestling, Buckles. How (laughs) are you today, my friend? I'm doing all right, man. I didn't realize that this is the one-year. Holy shit. Isn't that exciting? It is. It really is. I'm happy about that. I think so. Good tag team. Actually, I'm not going to lie. I actually had a thought earlier of, man, I want to see if we can do a bumper of redoing the uh, New Age Outlaws intro for Journey into Wrestling. Yes. The answer is yes. I will find a way to put words to that at some point in my life. Yes, we will do that. (laughs) I'm about it. And you know what? Let me just say this buckles, even though it's going to put like immense pressure on me to produce this will be the last episode of season four probably right right because we aren't going to just keep carrying it on a year and change later we got to jump into a new season and have a fresh look and give ourselves some uh new gravitas as it were you know be the demo gods of podcasts and wrestling everybody needs a gimmick change here and there yeah man it's time it's nice plus i really can i just say like when we were getting ready to gear up for season four, I was like, oh, SmackDown's going to, to fucking Fox. It's a big move. It's like probably going to be all the rage for a time, and they'll probably do good booking it, and it'll it'll really take off. We should just have the logo kind of mimic that. Mm-hmm. Fail. <laughs> Epic fucking fail. <laughs> so now I need to think about, really think about, and we can think about this together what kind of logo we want for the new season and what our look and our vibe is going to be. Because, man, I tell you what, if we're talking about what's dominating professional wrestling right now, it's all the gold and black brands. Yeah, I can agree with that. NXT and AEW both. Yeah, for sure, my friend. I think Um, having having an AEW style, like their logo styled logo for us uh, of the JIW would probably be a cool thing in the sense that it's the new changing of the guard 
and it's actually established now. So you've yeah. had all these, you know, WWE inspired ones. Maybe it's time to move to a, a different brand. We'll see. I I love it. I love it a lot, actually. Now I, I guarantee, if you were to ask Chris Jericho, he would come letters, up with something for you. Fuck. <laughs> I guarantee that if you were to ask Chris Jericho, he would have an idea for you right now, and it would probably involve him. You're right. Do you see? He, he has a new just, nickname. He would just he just be like, call it Jericho into wrestling. Yep. Fuck Journey into wrestling. If the J is there, I'm already Y2 Journey into wrestling. Did you happen to see he has a new nickname? The COVID creator? I don't know. Uh, what. No, no. Well, the uh, super spreader superstar. Now, he is. Uh, he dubbed himself the million viewer man instead of the million dollar man after last week's episode. Ooh. It's it's uh, worth noting that both NXT and AEW both did significantly higher numbers when not opposing each other. So there is a rumor going around that uh, USA is pushing to get NXT moved to Tuesday nights, which is probably for the best for everybody. I mean, you're still going to have competition in the sense that Vince is still going to try to beat competition at all times. But... Running unopposed each night is probably in everybody's best interest, except for Impact. Impact will suffer like they always do. Well, yeah, because Impact is on Tuesdays right now, and they're going to be right. crowded with NXT kind of taking over the yep. spotlight there yep. because no one else is on Tuesdays. Probably and- hurts AEW Dark a little bit, even though I don't really know what AEW Dark's viewership is. But there's also rumors of AEW having a second show before the end of the year, actually. Well, and I think they would have already had a show, a second show, coming into, you know, the one-year anniversary of Dynamite, which is only a few short weeks away, if you can believe right. it. Right, I think like, the COVID's They would have, had COVID not happened. We would already have the second show, you know, whatever it is, fucking lightning, or whatever they're going to call it. Please don't say lightning, because that just makes me think of thunder, and I, we don't need that evil in our lives. I just thought Thursday night lightning sounded awesome. I mean, there's not nothing saying that the idea behind it's bad, but you, if anything, you do not want to invoke, you know, images of late era WCW. No one wants to do that. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Uh, you know, so let me just ask you this, and just you know, throwing down. I know you haven't been able to really watch a whole lot of wrestling, but like, where should we even start today? Do we want to just? get into the big all-out fallout. I think there's a lot of things to I think discuss so. that come from that card. We could talk about the headlines and deadlines, you know. And really, I'm up for anything today, man. I just I don't know where you want to uh, kick, it, kick it off, you know. I think I think actually starting with all-out is probably the best thing because it is the biggest show of the two-week cycle. It is the biggest uh, headline getter, I would say. Um, for sure. I mean, we had payback and everything, but I – well. No, Payback was before the last show. Yeah, we already covered Payback. We um, already covered Payback, yeah. shockingly. That was a yeah. huge show. We had to cover so many events. Yeah, that was a biggie. But no, this one, this was uh, kind of all out running unopposed itself. Uh, it was the one big game in town for the couple of weeks. Um, and really, that's where most of AEW's uh, storyline kind of coalesced for the time being. Um, we were talking a little bit off air. The uh, the episode of Dynamite last week didn't really start a whole hell of a lot or finish a whole hell of a lot. So most of what they've got going on right now is all tied up with uh, All Out. We did um, get a debut. So I, what's that? We did get a debut on. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Dynamite. We did. 
We'll get um, to that in a minute, but yeah, yep. continue. So let's start with All Out first. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so I've got the card here. I don't think I have it in order, as I was just doing this from memory. I didn't actually look up the card, but I'm pretty sure I got everything on here. Um, we started the night off with the Big Swole Britt Baker match, which is ah, the tooth last. Tooth and nail challenge. The one that I did not expect to get the cinematic treatment did. And I'm not 100% sure that it was good or bad. It just Can kind I say of, my only my only offense yeah. or feeling on this match, other than like I enjoyed what they did within the cinematic style right. and all that? I did not think it made any fucking sense for this to open the show. No, not at all. Uh, at all. If I'm a fan who is actually at All Out, which is a thing that I can't believe I'm saying right now because there were fans at All right. Out some, right? I would be so fucking mad. Get all geared up, have a couple matches that you've got to see, like the the buy-in and all that, and then when the card kicks off and you get this excitement, you jump to watching on the screen for ten fucking minutes. Right. I'd be mad. I'd be mad as fuck. Put I that mean, on third. Like it doesn't. Yeah. What did it do for it being first? You didn't get right. It didn't honestly, get anything more over. Honestly, have the uh, Bucks and Jurassic Express as the curtain jerker of the night because it was a good, you know, fast-paced, solid match. Good, uh, good at getting people excited, and it didn't have any real business on the card anyway. So it's not really a. It's kind of a throwaway thing. So yeah, yeah start I love with, how they fucking shoehorned on being the elite in what the essentially the match was all about. Right. It was a bet. Yeah. Can Luchasaurus do the Canadian Destroyer? Yes or no? <laughs> well, so yeah, I, I get the idea that the cinematic match probably shouldn't have gone first. I get why they made it cinematic. Because apparently Britt's not 100% back yet, so this was just kind of bridging the gap a little bit. But I don't mind it being cinematic. Yeah. I thought the cinematic aspects were actually pretty fun. The idea of having the match at Baker's Dentistry is, is pretty unique. You're not going to get many chances to do something like that, so I'm all for it. Um, it's fun to watch Swole in a cinematic match because you can actually hear her talking shit, and she does it really well. Yes, she um, does. The problem you have, though, is that... Baker's still pretty limited, and Reba is terrible. <laughs> like, she's not really good at any one thing at all. <laughs> Correct. Like, she's pretty much there just for pratfalls and to take a couple spots, but her acting is so bad that it makes the cinematic worse, so... She is I... bland potato salad. Yes. Like, the only thing that was kind of remotely funny about her aspect of it was the... The dumpster having the one lone banana peel on it that somehow ended up on her head. So, yeah, that was kind of funny. The uh, The idea that um, we had Novocaine and Laughing Gas as a finishing device, that's unique. I'll, I'll give you that. funny, yeah. Somewhere Isaac Yankum is weeping, but yeah. Um, I did DDS. find it funny that you... Uh, you, I think you tw- you messaged me like halfway through the match, just like, is it just me or is this really bad? <laughs> like, I don't know if it's really bad, but it's really something else. So it just it just didn't it, the majority of it didn't tickle my fancy. I think yeah. the finish gave me like a washover of like, well, at least they had a point. Yeah, at least they told a story. You know, I think, at least they got swole yeah. over. I think more. they're kind of hurt by the fact that they're. Their, I guess, quote-unquote, pay-per-view schedule was kind of stretched out a little more than WWE's is because they really needed to have just a straight-up match between Baker and Swole, and they may still get to that, 
but rushing it up and doing it cinematic just because she wasn't 100% yet just to get it on the card may not have been the right call. Maybe, you know, if you can wait it out a little bit and wait until they can both actually go in the ring so you have an actual resolution to it. But I see why they wanted to rush it forward just to get it on the card because they're not going to have that big of a card anytime until probably full gear. So you, you got to think, though, that, that card needed to not actually be that big. You had a crowd that was sitting in an That's extremely true. hot arena. It's outside. Yes. It's very humid. Yeah, that... And it went they, till fucking 11 o'clock midnight your time, yeah. but 11 o'clock, that's insane. I'm not going to lie. This is the, the kind of elephant in the room, and there's a couple with, with this show, is AEW kind of took their lumps on this show. This was not their best work. I mean, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a bad show. There was still some good moments to it. But of the limited um, examples that we have of AEW's pay-per-view work so far uh, in the one year of existence that they've had, well, year and some change if you count, from all in, but this was probably the weakest event they've had. And the uh, decision-making on a couple of things, like having the cinematic match on first, kind of hurt it. And honestly, the having the entire show go that long outdoors in August in Florida, probably an oversight that could have been addressed ahead of time. Like, that probably should not have happened. And honestly... You really didn't need to have the the Bucks and Jurassic Express on the card. You really didn't need to have the uh, Cody Defense Squad of you know uh, Matt Cardona and you know uh, the Natural Nightmares versus the Dark Order. That really didn't need to be on that card. So you could have shortened it by a couple matches and maybe even take Baker and Swole off and, and postpone it for a little bit just to get people out of the arena and get your talent out of the heat and stuff probably wouldn't have been the worst of ideas. My thing is this too, like honestly, I think it would have been more impactful had you had Brody and Dustin on all out. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And then from that, you know, oh, they just barely, you know, Brody screwed him over, but he's still champion. And then you have Oh, well, on Dynamite, we're having a fucking tag match. And then give Cardona more opportunity instead of it being like, oh, well, he's going to debut on a pay-per-view. Yeah. Debuting on the pay-per-view for debuting on a pay-per-view doesn't do dick if it doesn't matter. And that Uh, match was was in a match beforehand. Like, he's actually been in a match prior. He didn't debut on pay-per-view. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I forgot he did have a match. My fault. That's like he and Cody tagged together. I forgot that. I I don't even mind leaving leaving Cody and uh, or leaving Dustin and and Brody on Dynamite just to give a Dynamite a main event when you don't have anything else built up. That's fine to me. But I think the idea of having a shorter card on that particular night may not have been the worst of ideas. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean. And I think the the atmosphere and the heat and the humidity did cost them some. Um, specifically, and it, we're kind of, like I said, we're kind of ping-ponging around the card placement, but uh, it was most probably affected in the Battle Royal. Because in all the match itself, you you're, you finally have uh, the debut of Matt Seidel as your Joker card or whatever, your number 21, and immediately goes for his signature uh, shooting star press off the top and due to some slick-ass ropes, damn near breaks his neck. Almost died. Yeah. 
Now, I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest. My first thought wasn't, you know, afraid for his safety. My first thought was laughing my ass off because it was just a botchamania moment. And then once I realized how hard he hit, it was, oh, shit, I should stop laughing. But, and then once yeah, you that, know he's okay, you're like, okay, it's okay yeah. to be fucking laughing because yeah. that was hysterical. But, yeah, but, I mean, like, the uh, the whole... He wouldn't have botched that move. There's very little chance of him botching that move at all if they're, you know, in AC someplace. If they're in indoors and, you know, not on some slick-ass ropes. You saw that they gave that a storyline, too? Did they? Yeah, it's Michael Nakazawa's fault. Oh, Jesus. He went out and oiled up the ropes. Oh, God. Uh on the on the scale of gimmicks that I just flat out do not get, Michael Nakazawa was right up there. I just that one is kind of lost on me. It's it's weird, dumb humor, and I I I am I'm a weird dumb humor kind of guy. But that one's just it's just weird for weird's sake. I feel like that gimmick is the grease up deaf dude from Family Guy. That's the only reason. He you does know, that that's gimmick. not wrong. It's just the grease up. It's the greased up Japanese guy. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Instead of him being a deaf dude, he's just a Japanese guy. It's, it's funny. Uh, um, and really, the the battle royal was kind of a weird match in itself. Um, to me, I I had a hard time getting into it because there were so many fucking heels in that match, and they put all of their heels, all of their hosses, all of their faction members in one match. And it was just kind of weird because you, they should, they're fighting each other and they shouldn't be like, there's not really a reason to have the butcher, the blade Penta and Phoenix and Eddie Kingston all in the same fucking match when they're all competing for the same thing. And then they're all supposed to be a faction. Yeah. And then don't really have any meaningful interaction between any of them in the match itself. Like they were all got eliminated one by one by one. It seemed like, um, I'm not a, necessarily a fan of Archer winning, personally, but that's primarily because I like other people in that match more than I like Archer. Um, I really would have enjoyed Kingston winning, and I think they still have a way to kind of spin that because he technically never got eliminated. So there is some call to Kingston, you know, injecting himself into a main event feud, possibly. But... There's a lot of people that really could have used a win more than Archer, I think, because as mu- as fun as Archer and, and Moxley was in New Japan, we've already seen it. And, again, Archer, other than, you know, watching him beat up random jobbers out, out on his way in and out, just doesn't do a whole hell of a lot for me. I mean, I guess to to lend some credence to why they maybe made him win, or gave him the win, rather, uh you got to think, he comes off as the murder hawk. He's this, like, super dangerous, powerful dude, but he lost to Cody. Right. And you got to find a way to make him interjected back into he's a dangerous, serious competitor, or the WWE thing happens. He lost the title shot. He goes back. He starts fighting on dark. He yeah. weasels You're his way through month after month after month You're after month after month. We forget about him. You know, then they try to push him. The push is too late. It doesn't work. This... Didn't want to see him win, so as a right. heel, it's perfect for him winning. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that I, I disagree with them. You know, I, I understand why they picked him as a winner for it. I, I get why they booked him to win. It makes sense. I'm just not a fan of it myself because I'm not a fan of him specifically. So it's complete bias on my part. <laughs> sure, sure, I understand that. Um, honestly, my if you remember, my my hope to win it was actually Phoenix. 
mostly because I want Ray Phoenix in the fucking title picture again. That dude deserves a main event spot, even though he can't talk for shit. But that's why you have Eddie Kingston. So, I I would love to see Moxley go one on one with somebody that is smaller and faster, but not in the Darby. I will take a beating and keep on coming, but the uber athletic, complete style clash that is Phoenix. And having watched Phoenix as a main eventer on Lucha Underground, the dude can handle it. So I, that's that would have been my call, or Pentagon would have been just as good. But either way, I, I mean, like I said, you're going to get some good some good results out of the Moxley and Archer pairing. It'll be fine. It'll probably be a pretty good match. I can see them having a good um, callback to their death match. I mean, it, it'll be fine. Um, I don't think we've seen the end of MJF and Moxley yet, so keep that in mind as well. And we'll get to them here momentarily. Um, I do want to point out during the uh, during the Battle Royal, I had a moment that really pissed me off and not having to do anything with booking or creative or anything like that, but you and I have alluded to in the past, Darby's, um, uh, let's just say Daredevil streak. Somebody he needs thinks to everything is an dude. episode of Jackass, and he's got to say, I'm Darby Allen, somebody, welcome to Jackass. Somebody needs to sit down with him before he gets himself killed. And I'm not talking about the thumbtacks. I'm not talking about, you know, I watched a video of his the other day talking about his biggest uh, biggest crashes while skateboarding. And he's talking about doing a, a drop-in on a half-pipe with a fucking broken ankle and breaks both his other his other ankle while doing it. He just does dumb shit because he doesn't care otherwise. He has no, like, the whole idea, his gimmick of not feeling pain and not having any you know, fear for injury or anything like that. That's not a gimmick. That seems to be who the dude actually is, and that's not a good thing. The dude's going to get himself fucking killed. And I say that in this in this particular match because he took the thumbtacks and the, and the body bag spot, and I've watched him do the body bag and evolve before. I've watched him do it with other people, and it's, it's always gnarly to see. But to have Cage uh, powerbomb him onto the entranceway, when Darby is literally dead weight. Like, there's no way for Darby to do anything but sandbag. And, yeah, it is kind of on cage for a, not the best of throws, but, again, he's dead flopping fucking weight. So Darby comes down pretty much on his neck. Like, that's a good way to get dead. Look at draws, man. Yeah. If he'd have I mean, been a foot back. dead, but look at, I mean, if, that's another alternate reality if, that could be fucking Darby Allen if he's not careful. If he rotated in midair, if he did anything in midair, he might have come down neck first, the back of his neck on the fucking stair. Like, there's just no world where that should have been allowed. I get the idea, and this is something we'll come back to, but I get the idea that you let your wrestlers do what they want and you let them, to use Cody's terminology, paint with their own art and paint on their own canvas and do what they think they need to do and what they want to do, and that's fine. But you need to be able to step in and say, hey, you're going to get hurt or you're going to get somebody else hurt. And I need to stand up to protect you from yourself. And did you see Bryce Rendsburg's tweet? I did not. Okay, so he tweeted that he live witnessed and he he's like, you know, doesn't like talk shit or whatever. He's like, but I witnessed Moxley walk up to Darby Allen and tell him, you know, that some spot he didn't know what the spot was wasn't worth it like mox who wasn't right. involved in whatever match 
intervened and was like, kid, you, you have to think about yourself. Right. And but that's, I, I mean, good leadership, first of all. Well, here's the thing. And, again, we're going to come back to it here in a moment. But the leadership, it's good to see it from Moxley. You want to see it from your locker room leaders. But you're also, you need to have it from your corporate as well. You need you really and this this show kind of put this into very stark relief. Tony Khan needs to have a set of balls with his people. Um, oh, I hundred percent like, agree. Like Absolutely. you, if you are the owner of a company, you do not want you don't want an Owen Hart situation. You don't want Darby dead on the rampway because he broke his fucking neck. Not only do you not want the kid dead, that's bad press for you. You don't want that press. Well, so effectively, if and you will talk about this in a little right. bit, if so, Darby would have died in that spot, yeah. let's just say, or severely broke his fucking neck and right. had to stop the pay-per-view for 25 fucking minutes and you right. know, it was a big ordeal, lights out for AEW. They will not recover. That's Yeah, it's probably it's probably death. They're too young. Too young, yeah. And, and people are going to go, oh, God, man, they couldn't even go a year without somebody dying in their ring. So, Fuck this. So... Out. You, I understand, again, I understand the idea of having the creativity and the personal freedom to do what you need to do and do what you want. And then that's one of the things that AEW is predicated upon, and it's great. But Tony Khan, as an owner, as someone who is, you know, seen as being in charge, even though he may not be an on-air personality, is running the ship. Dude needs to step up and say, look, you do this kind of shit, you're not going to get booked anymore. We won't book you. You cannot be allowed to do that. And it comes down to the same thing that any wrestler will tell you. Your first goal is to protect the person you're with. Right? You want to make sure that your partner, whoever it is, whoever you're working with in the ring, you're doing everything you can to protect them as well. Until the person you're working with doesn't want their self protected. Well, it also comes down to protecting them from themselves, too. And Darby, I think, has proven at this point he needs somebody to sit down with him and protect him from himself. Otherwise, I mean, best case scenario, even if he doesn't die in the ring, Darby's going to do something. He's not going to be able to walk in 15 years. Like, how young is he? He's mid-20s, I want to say. He ain't my age. I think he's 23 or 24. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's not have Darby in a wheelchair by 40. How about we aim for that first? Mm. And, like... I, I I get that he doesn't care. That's that's all fine, well, and good for him. But do you really want that on your head too? If you're an owner, it's it's just not good. And you need to step up and be a leader. Um, and honestly, I think we've we've talked about enough. The next match we need to talk about is the Matt Hardy Sammy Guevara match, and it's the same problem. Yeah, let's just get right into it, man. Um. And really, it's the same problem, just in a, a almost a little bit worse, uh, because this one was you couldn't miss it. The Darby thing, you know, maybe the maybe the bump was better than it looked because of an angle, maybe a camera angle. Maybe it was that, you know, maybe you can you can shake your head and move on because Darby came out of it fine. Matt Hardy did not come out of it fine uh, in their in his match with Sammy within probably the first three four minutes of the match. They are backstage fighting around in the uh, uh, the arena, the uh, football stadium, uh, kind of having their little callback to the uh, stadium stampede match, which is nice. But they end up on a scissor lift, 
and both of them go over the edge of the scissor lift and through a couple tables onto the concrete. And Matt Hardy, who is, I want to say in his 40s, Matt who, has, Matt, who has three kids, mm-hmm. a, fuse, uh, a fused spine, and has mentioned that his lower back is all kinds of fucked up, goes over the edge of the table, misses the landing just a bit, and visibly, you can see him bounce his head off bare concrete from about a 20-foot fall. You can hear it. And is spark out. Not kayfabe, not... Oh man, that's a bad fall. He is unconscious, and the camera is right on him. He is not there. And Aubrey, the referee, does the right thing and immediately throws up the X. The right thing to do. Tries to get the match called off. And they do call the match off. They try to pick Matt up, which is already a no-go. I already don't do that. But... As soon as Matt's up on his feet, he's immediately stumbling around and falling down again. And then we get this this montage or this this weird vibe where the match has been called off. They've rang the bell. Nobody really knows what's going on, but Matt's still following Sammy and following up the rampway, and they're still going to something. And then suddenly the match is back on. And Matt, who was just you know moments ago, could get on his own two feet under his own power. He's now following Sammy up uh, up a uh, metal structure, another 20 feet in the air, to push Sammy out over a, you know, a 15-foot fall onto a couple more tables uh, through a stage spot. And, you know, that spot's fine in its own right, whatever. Obviously, there's probably a crash pad under there, I would hope. But, and Sammy's, as far as we know, is fine. But... In what world is it a good idea to have Matt, who was clearly unconscious less than, you know, two minutes ago, climbing up a fucking jungle gym 20 feet in the air? In what world is that a good idea? No, it wasn't a good idea, and there's a lot to talk about in this. Really? I love, yeah. I love the it, recap. You know, one thing I think I want to mention, though, I did read this, and, you know, if it's not true, sue me. I'm so sorry. Allegedly, they, I don't know if the word is quote-unquote, practiced the spot. But they went over the spot two times before the event. Right. And they got to the moment, and then they were in the heat of the exchange, and, you know, adrenalines are hot, adrenaline's running high, and they cleared the tables. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure, part of them broke because of feet and legs hitting it. Right. But the important parts of their body that right. isn't meant to hit the table so that you have something break your fall didn't happen <laughs> wasn't there and yeah his head hits you hear it yeah it's it's and bad went, all the way oh, around fuck i thought he died i literally I, you, first thought went i'm thinking skull fracture at the minimum yeah it's over like it's, i was expecting pool of blood them to call yeah. it this fucking camera to shoot to something else yep. you know crazily or yep. whatever yep. luckily that's not the case but, but the, the problem we run into is the same thing with darby is that Someone needs to, at that point, protect Matt from himself. When is enough and, enough? Right. Well, here's the thing, is that Aubrey did the right thing and called the match off. It totally. should have happened. Now, granted, they had this stipulation that if Matt lost, he'd have to leave AEW, whatever. You can call it a no contest and run it back. You can book your way out of that. That's fine. Don't let that be an excuse for continuing the match, because that's bullshit. That is a terrible fucking excuse if you try to use it, and I don't want to hear it. But, 
the way it seems like it played out is that Matt is clearly concussed, or at least clearly unconscious, and then somehow magically the ref clear or the the doctor on site cleared him. Which, sure, yeah, he went through concussion protocol and got cleared of a concussion in less than three minutes. Sure, I believe that. Um, but the rumor basically is that Matt woke back up and said, no, I'm good to go, I'm good to continue, let me keep going, and nobody told him no. That's a significant problem. Yeah, it's, it's, especially it's one if he would have got yeah. up on that other scaffolding and fell. Yeah. God forbid yeah, he fell weird and actually died, like, right. a more tragic moment. Right. Because, especially then, because now it's, now it's just not a bad spot. Now it's a bad decision that it was allowed to happen. Now it's on you. But, A, whoever their doctor is, I, I know they mentioned his name on, on the air a few times, that doctor needs to have a talking to because there's either they're flat out lying about him passing, you know, being cleared, or that doctor isn't fit to play fucking operation. One of the two. There's no way that he cleared Matt. And even so, even if he is cleared, you could plainly see that the man was unconscious. Anybody with two eyes and a pulse could see that. The moment so, I, I the moment I knew it was like really bad, like really bad. Sammy tries to Irish whip Yeah. Matt and Matt literally Matt goes collapsed. Down. Yeah, he goes down like a puppet with a strings cut. And it didn't and look like he tried to do that. His body did not respond. No. No, that was that was he's still out. He's out on That's the That's not good. No, like, no, it's I, not. Like, I love AEW, man. We have done nothing in this year but praise them and right. amazing moments and all the right. great things they've done. This is moments where they made some pretty big fuck ups and they're gonna yeah. have to atone for these mistakes. And again, to me, it comes back to Tony Khan. If you're gonna be the public face of the company, if you're gonna you know wear the big boy britches and say you're gonna be running the show. How do you not step in and and prevent that match from continuing? As an owner, as the president of the company, as the person in charge, you are responsible for everything that happens on that show. You put your name on it. You know, it may be daddy's money running it, and it is, but you are responsible for it. You are responsible for the talent there. And you, you're the boss. You need to show up and say, hey, you can't continue. Matt, you're great. I love you, but you need to sit down. You're done. We'll figure out the booking afterwards. You're done. But because no one wanted to stand up to Matt, other than Aubrey, essentially, no one wanted to stand up to Matt and tell him no, we had the very real possibility that someone could have died. And there's no world where that's a good a good outcome for any of this. And then the next day, you know, a little bit later on, we get... We hear that Matt's going to the hospital after the match is over, a little too late. Um, and then we get an update from Tony Khan saying, oh, there's no concussion, he's fine. I do not for a second believe that. Um, I saw Rebby commented. Rebby was well within her rights to say anything. concussed. Yeah. Yes, and yeah, that is, you know, say what you want about Rebby because she's been very outspoken. Um, and to her own credit, but there is no, she is well within her rights to have, say whatever the fuck she wants to say right then and there. 
Yeah, and I and will say, though, after her, everything she it. said and how upset she was on Twitter, it was really nice to see her on Dynamite. Like, oh, uh, they still I love felt her. The opposite. You know, I kind of felt the opposite. Still, you know, know that she's Matt's wife. They care about Matt Hardy as a competitor and as a person, you know. This is a learning know. experience it, for it, the company. We yeah, it is. It we is, can't. but it felt kind of disingenuous for me to have him come out and I mean, it was nice to see him kind of apologize in a sense because he kind of realized, hey, I fucked up and tell everybody he's okay. That's good. But to me, turning around and showing Rebby after she blew up on them, that because she didn't look like she wanted to be on camera at all. To me, she did not look like she was happy to be on camera. So that kind of felt like, see, Rebby, we're going to if we put the camera on you, you can't get mad at us right now, right? He will put you in a position where you can't physically blow up on us. You can blow up on us afterwards, but yeah. I mean, I don't know if that was the truth or not. It just came off as kind of weird to me. But uh, you're right. It's a learning experience, but they need to learn from it. And I hope that they do. I I hope so. I I think they really are, man. And we got to listen. We always keep doing the whole comparison, contrasting thing. WCW is constantly something right. that we have to kind of look at and reflect. Right. And I'm not saying that they had any one moment that stood out where they almost accidentally killed one of their talent. But they had missteps, too, and they had to grow from them, too. And at one point, they got everything so fine-tuned and well-oiled that they became the machine. Mm-hmm. You know, They didn't take over the machine, but they also were the machine. And 83 weeks, I mean, it really happened. So... Like, I'm not going to say AEW's not dying from this show. Like I said, it's not it's not even a bad show. It's just it's their worst product. But that's even their worst product's better than some of WWE's still. But they need they need to to fix what they're doing because going in and having Taz run a promo about WWE running a sloppy shop and then having that it's not a good look. Yeah. It, it isn't. It definitely no. is not. Um, uh, so yeah, the mat, the mat thing, the mat thing kind of ruined the whole show for me specifically because it made it made it really hard to get invested in anything that came after. Uh, because you're still worried is about that, Matt. Even if they would have been able to stop the match, would you have had the same feeling, or is it um, only because the match continued beyond what you, yes and you no. probably should? Um, I probably would have been. Cons- I would have been. Where if they just stopped the match and let it go, I would have been checking my Twitter to make sure somebody was announcing, "Hey, is he okay? Is he okay?" I'd have been concerned, but I wouldn't have been concerned and angry, <laughs> and I was concerned and angry. <laughs> so that that kind of hurt it for me. There's no, there's not, it's not usually a good thing when you're, when you're angering your fan base because you don't look like you're protecting your people. And Matt's a hero to a lot of folks. Totally. Um, but yeah, it was, it was hard to follow that. And I, um, to get to the, the things that were good on the show, um, probably the match of the night for me was actually Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa. What I called ahead of time. Would not have called that ahead of time. Apparently, Thunder Rose is working on a uh, on a date by date deal, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, they went on and actually had probably I would say one of the best women's matches in AEW short tenure so far. If I was putting together a top ten this week, that would have been my number one, very likely. It was a great match, absolutely. Yes, it was. And 
Thunder, and it's good because Thunder Rose is somebody that people need to get eyes on and, and, and somebody that deserves a bigger spotlight. And unfortunately, with NWA out, out of the picture for the moment at least, it kind of sucks that she's kind of in limbo for it. So this is really good for her. Um, and again, Sheeta is one of the people that Sheeta deserves to have a good championship run because she's doing the best work that they've had. And she's probably the best champion they've had. They just need to continue getting her credible challengers. So you and I have talked kind of at length about the women's division there. So just, you know, take a win for a win. They had the best match on the card and let it go. Um, We did have the Mimosa Mayhem match, which was pretty much what was expected, which was a mess in all the fun ways. Um, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I'm not. No, I enjoyed it. It was it was. It was everything you would expect a Mimosa Mayhem match to be. It was goofy and silly and, and dumb and and still had Jericho. And Jericho probably has looked worse in the last couple of matches than he has in a while. I'm not going to lie. Um, he's looked like Father Time's caught up to him pretty badly the last couple of matches. Age starts um, to show on the GOAT. Well, it is. And the fact that he's going out and doing playing shows and shit while he's doing... AEW is probably not going to help that, you know, correct itself. But honestly, I think the the feud needs to be done. Uh, they need to get best friends. I shouldn't say best friends, but they need to get Orange away from the inner circle for a little bit. And right now, they're not quite there yet because they've still got the best friends Santana and Ortiz feud, so there's still a little bit of carryover. Um, I'm glad Orange won. It needed to happen. He needed to have the clean win coming out of it. Jericho does not need the wins at this point. Um, and if nothing else, it gave us lots of memes of Jericho floating in the vat of Mimosa. That was fucking hysterical. Um, I don't know if you haven't seen any of the memes. The best one I've seen so far is uh, William Regal from back in his uh, commissioner days. Uh, drinking his tea and giving it a disgusted look and looking down at his teacup. And there's Jericho floating in the teacup. <laughs> there's some good there's some fun shit to it um yeah i mean it's it's good to see that orange cassidy is being actually seen as a main event talent there and seeing as probably the first true success story of aew i would say their first kind of not necessarily homegrown but their first breakout he's a breakout star yes that's a that's a good one their first breakup star that they built on their own that's good. They need more like that. MJF's right up there, too. Um, Hell of a talent. Yeah. Um, the FTR, Kenny, and Hangman match, great match. Too I, long. I hate saying this. It went on a little too long. Too long for Nate's enjoyment. Like, And what sucks is that that is, of all the people combined, that's a Kenny thing. That is 100% a Kenny thing. Um. Because he's he always works those kind of marathon, huge, dramatic, you know, epic matches, and that that's fine for singles matches when you can build that, but it doesn't jive well with the slower pace of an FTR. Like it makes it just drag out that much more. There's a couple points the match should have just flat out ended and didn't. Um, I think pretty much everybody in the, on on God's green earth had called that FTR was coming away with the title there, so no surprise of the winner. And it wasn't a bad match, other than being overly long. Um, the end of it was kind of weird, like the the exiting angle to it of Kenny 
turning his back on Hangman and then leaving, and then the Elite or the the Bucks not or trying to calm him down and then not leaving with him, and then we don't really know where everybody is headed at that point. Um, obviously, on Dynamite the following week, they had a couple exit interviews where Ken, where Hangman wants to continue on as a team and you know get back over the hump. Kenny wants to go back to singles wrestling and. The Bucks are just kind of being shithead Bucks like they always are. Um, and real, real quick, out of curiosity, can you name me a face tag team that is less like as a character likable than the Bucks? Hmm. Like they wrestle as baby faces. They're considered baby faces in terms of where they're booked, but they're also just a couple of dickheads at times. Like they're really just kind of jerks. <laughs> I think they're perfect tweeners. They are, but the problem is that they they've they bounce back between they bounce between the face and the heel leaning so frequently that it's really just kind of hard to get a feel for them. Hmm. I can uh, agree with that. Personally, I'd love to see a heel elite. Let them go with Kenny as Kenny turns into the cleaner, which he's clearly doing at some point. We're we're getting enough teases. I think it's happening, but let the Bucks go full heel. That we know they can do it. They're fine as heels. They're great as heels. But it's a nice inversion of, you know, all elite wrestling. Well, they are the elite, and they are everything. And now we run the show, figuratively and literally. Let them be heels. Fuck it. Let Cody like play face it, against the... Let, let, let me see a Nightmare Family versus the elite, because Cody finally realizes he's out of it. You know, give me a, an alliance between Cody and Hangman versus, you know, Kenny and the elite as heels. Fine. Let the uh, let's flip flop things just a little bit. Let's have some fantasy booking. Let's have, you know, let's have Jericho and all his goofiness and and Santana and Ortiz and all their goofiness. Turn them a little more goofy face and have them go against the Dark Order. Really put Dark Order over for a change. Yeah. Have Brody go and just beat the shit out of of, of goofy, arrogant Jericho. And give them a shot. And hell, give me a feud between you know the uh, between Santana and Ortiz and some of the Dark Order members, whether that's Silver and Reynolds, which I would personally pick, or you know Grayson and Uno. Let them roll. Go for it. You're going to have to rotate around at some point anyway. Uh, let the let the elite take over as the big bad heels for a little while, or let the Dark Order run over everything for just a little while. I know we're we're a year into Dynamite now, and we still have the Inner Circle as the faction of choice that is evil. You know, we still have them as the dominant heel faction. That's kind of run its course a little bit. It's been a year. Move on. But just me. I'm, that's just me fantasy thinking. I don't know about um, move on. I think evolve is the way to do it, you know? There you go. That's a good way of putting it. Because you've um, got... A bunch of breakout guys in the inner circle, and that's why they were Jericho. But the problem yep. is, you've got to have some of those breakout guys actually break out. You know, it'd be fun to see if they want to keep the inner circle heel. Uh, let's get a face turn out of Sammy Guevara. It'd be amazing. Or let's get let's get Santana and Ortiz, not necessarily turning face, but turning rogue against the rest of the inner circle because they're sure as hell getting wasted right now. That is a great tag team that's having goofy, low-card matches. They shouldn't be. The fact that it, the fact that out of your first out of your first year, you don't have 
either the Lucha Brothers or Santana and Ortiz have a title run yet, they both need it. They both deserve it. Hell, give me a feud between the both of them. We've seen it before. They have great chemistry. Those There's two so tore it up on impact teams, and I hope yes. that we actually start to see them be utilized as such. Mm-hmm. I think we will. I, I do think we will. Um, and then the main event is uh, Moxley and MJF, which, you know, if you want to see that MJF is solidified as a main event player, there you go. He hung with Moxley. I don't like the blading, which there was clearly blading at one point. Oh, yeah. But. Oh, yeah. Which, I, you know, you can the blading thing, lay that all at Cody's feet because he's the one that is popularizing it. He's the one that's okaying it to me. So if you got a problem with the blading, that's you talk to Cody about that shit because he's clearly doing it himself. Um, but the match was good. You know, it's exactly what every person said it was going to be. It was MJF had, an, had the advantage in the ring. Moxley had the advantage outside the ring like it should have been. Um, and the whole storyline, and I love the storyline, of MJF had Moxley dead to rights a couple times and by Moxley's own admission. If he hadn't gotten cute and tried to cheat, he probably would have won. He might have had a chance. But you got cute, you overthought it, you tried to cheat, and it backfired on you. Better luck next time, kid. Oof. Um, I love the Moxley, kind of foreshadowing it, uh, in the promos uh, during, I think it was uh, during the buy-in, saying, you know, I'm not the good guy here. I may not be the bad guy, but don't mistake me for a good guy by any stretch. I'll do what I have to do to win. And he did. He flat out cheated. Granted, it was in response to somebody else cheating, so it's justified, but he still cheated. And he's fully willing to admit it. Uh, I love the Toriyanu kind of shrug at the end of it, which is kind of lovely to me. It's like, oops. Um, And then the next night we get a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of the rift between Wardlow and MJF, which we know is coming eventually. But I'm here for it. I, I, I really have gotten to like Wardlow, and I never thought I'd say that because he's not, you know, a character guy by any stretch. But he's fun to watch, and I'll enjoy the shit out of him ragdolling MJF at some point. Did you see his interaction with John Silver and Alex Reynolds on being the elite? Do you know about uh, it? All? I saw part of it. Huh? Where they're they're like just muscling him up and everything. Yeah. I did see a well, little bit of it. No, actually, kind of what happens is they're like, oh, we're going to go recruit him. Right. So they walk in. And then they're like, God damn, you are handsome. And that first compliment, they get stuck in a compliment train and they just keep complimenting him. And yep. it almost becomes like a little like. Are you creepy. coming on to him a little bit yeah. there, you know? And then there, then he leaves. And Alex didn't, and Silver look at each other and like, fuck, we didn't ask him to join Dark Order. Didn't Silver at one point, like, take some kind of adrenaline pill or creatine pill or something and, like, muscle up and, like, freak out? Actually, I think that did happen, yeah. Um, this is this is my, you know, weekly, weekly moment of saying, hey, push John Silver, please, God. Um, <laughs> but, yeah... All in all, I think the all-out on on a ring work standpoint, matches were not bad. Mox and MJF, the uh, Mimosa Mayhem match, Sheeta and Thunder Rosa, the Bucks and Jurassic Express, all good matches. Even the Battle Royal is not bad. It's, every Battle Royal is a clusterfuck, so it's not really anything to speak of, but 
not really any bad matches other than the non-match between Sammy and, and Matt, which, quick aside, we mentioned when with the uh, the Baker and, uh, and Big Swole match, if there was one match on that card that I would have expected to be cinematic, it would have been the Broken Rules match. For so real? to have that be... To have that one be the live-action one, kind of weird to me, but, you know, it is what it is. If it, there wasn't an injury angle, we'd be fine. We wouldn't be having this conversation, but it would be a little odd. It seemed a little odd to have a broken rules match, and it was just a last-man-standing match. Um, like here's our cheap way of saying yeah. last-man-standing. So, I don't know. Um, but the sad thing is, even with the good quality of matches throughout the show, the thing that people are going to remember from it is the Matt Hardy scare and Darby thing and, and Matt Seidel falling. It's going to be the gaffes they remember more than the successes. And that's never where you want to be as a company. You know what I mean? Correct. Now, I will say this is, if you're a real AEW fan, you know, my first thought was like, okay, this was your shit show. It yeah. went bad. Yeah, I mean, it's going it to happen. bad on your big show. How do you rebound? Right. It's going to happen. What's full gear going to be like? How much right. juice are they? You know, because I tell you what, what's the, give me the date, November 9th. I that right? think that's right. I don't have it in front of me, but I think that sounds about right. It's only a couple months away. Well, it's going to be right after the election. Yeah. And it's <laughs> going to have an opportunity to be very, 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 very positive and uplifting in what could be a not very positive time or could be a positive time. I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah, that's, that's, I think it's probably good you're not running the MJF uh, campaign angle during that. That's probably for the best. They're like, but, okay, get out of this one as safely yeah. as we can. Let's yep. go. Yep. Um, you know. Yeah, they do have a shot to really do some good with it. And last year's Soul Gear was a lot of fun. I mean, the fact that they had one kind of a stinker of a show or one you know, lesser of a show maybe – I wouldn't even call it a stinker, I guess, but one lesser of a show does not mean that their next show is going to be bad, too. Like, they, they've they given us, like NXT, given us reason to think that, or given us the benefit of a doubt for their next show. So I'm willing to ride with them and let them go. Absolutely. Um, I do like, and to get away a little bit from All Out and kind of into the fallout into uh, this week's Dynamite, you did mention the debut. Miro is a huge get for them. As a massive, massive, massive acquisition, and pissed off though. About Can I you say were pissed why off? I'm pissed off. I have my guesses, but go ahead. Miro should have been in the Casino Battle Royal as spot twenty one. Uh, maybe. Uh, hold up, hold up. Maybe I could see that. Hold up. He should. It should have been down to like him, Kingston, and Archer. And then, you know, you can decide Archer goes over, whatever. But Miro looks very strong. And then Matt Seidel should have been the best man for Kip Sabian. The pairing, I think, is better. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, uh, so I think this was, is just yeah. a strange misstep. Hopefully, though, they can figure out something brilliant to do with formerly known as Rusev. Well, if you've watched any of his Twitch stuff or his social media stuff, the dude's got personality to burn. He got over oh, totally. with WWE despite WWE. For a reason, he's very good at what he does. Um, I I can see him being the you know the wild card or the, the Joker card or whatever. And pairing Seidel with uh, with Sabian is a good pairing. I kind of I don't mind 
Miro coming out on on Dynamite though because it was a little subversion of expectations, which is always good. Um, because if he'd have been in that Rumble, if he'd have been in the Battle Royal, and if he'd have been in the last couple of people, the first thing you're going to hear is critics going, "Well, yeah, of course the former WWE guy comes in and wins, or gets close to winning." Hot shotting him right up to the title feud is probably not where you want to be right off the bat. Fair point. Fair point. So, and I and I like the idea. I always like the uh, the diesel angle of having the big guy defending the little guy. So having smarmy ass Kip Sabian with fucking massive, uh, I'm gonna say Rusev every time. Massive fucking Miro. That's a fun get. That's a fun uh, bit. And they can play up the social media aspect of it. And it'll be fun. Um, I don't fully understand the blonde hair, but whatever. He looks like Eminem after a creatine binge, but we're going to do. Um, the one He's thing that annoyed me, himself, brother, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we're going to get a mom spaghetti shirt over here soon. Um, only if he gets nervous thing, though, the one thing that I didn't get or I didn't care for, I hate the coming on and the brass ring promo. I hate it because it's so cliched at this point, even if it's valid, even if it's completely valid. And it is in his case, I, he's got an axe to grind with WWE, and it, it's understandable as to why. But the whole meme or, or trope of anti-WWE or former WWE free agent comes into new group and immediately spouts off against WWE, you know, Impact's been doing that for years and to very diminishing returns. So that doesn't help the perception much. And... You know, he mentioned it. Actually, there was an interview I read with him yesterday where he's like, "Well, I really hope it doesn't get my wife heat." And then, you know, she got Samoan dropped through a table last night, so might have just a pinch of heat. Well, she does a good job of getting it on herself anyway. But, um, I like the debut. I think he's a great get for them, and I think he's a bona fide main eventer whenever they choose to push him. Um. The stigma of being a former WWE guy is always going to be there, but he's one of the former WWE guys that, A, you expect to be successful because he's naturally that gifted, and, B, he's got a fan support behind him already. It sucks that they couldn't wait until they actually had more crowd there to get excited for him, but I'll take what we can get. So, I And I also I like the, the tagline of not just the best man, but the best man. That's a nice gimmick. I like that. He can play with that. I love it, man. And I think, uh, you know, Miro has a real strong opportunity to flourish in AEW. Mm -hmm. You can see him going into a lot of different places. Um, I want to get your thoughts on something because we're still kind of in AEW. Sure. There is a stigma that I've noticed online, and it's a stigma that now I can't ignore. And I want your position Aside from Hikaru Shida, every champion is a, a WWE guy. I mean, yeah, but it's not. It doesn't feel forced. You, if you look at the people who have the titles right now, they're all the most over people on the roster for that for that division. There is no wrestler bigger in AEW than John Moxley. So having him as your champion makes sense. You know what I mean? Sure, absolutely. So, so, I agree with that sense. So what if he's in? The, so what if he's a former WWE guy? You put the best person in the best position, and he is. Um, FTR, 
It makes sense. Again, uh, yeah, they're probably the one that strikes me as the most like, um, the most uh, forced, I guess, or the most like. Of course, the w- anti or the the former WWE guys do, but the fact is, they still put them through their paces to get to that position. You needed new champions anyway, and short of maybe Jurassic Express, there wasn't a whole lot of people that. Hangman and Kenny hadn't worked with yet. So it made sense if you're going to have them lose to a heel team. You've already had, you know, the feud with the inner circle, so you don't need that. So that that cuts out Hager and Jericho. That cuts out um, the Santana Ortiz. Uh, You just ran a tag title match with them and... uh, uh, private party not too long back, and with Jurassic Express, so there's not really any story built there. Um, as far as the heel team, you've also seen they had their issues with the Dark Order already. So, you know, That's mark true. that one off. So there really isn't a heel team short of the Lucha Brothers for them to interact with other than FTR. Butcher and the Blade haven't been built up enough. Um, they, I think they even tried that. Well, they tried that with Cody early on, and no one bought Butcher and the Blade as a significant threat. So they Hashtag needed some where's rebuilding. the bunny? Yeah. So they needed some. They needed some rebuilding. So you have a credible heel team, and you need to get the belts off of your face team. FTR is your best bet. And everybody, I, I think even even the fans who might be complaining about WWE guys, they want to see the Bucks and FTR. Yeah, and, and this is a good way to position them there. Right. And if you do it right, right, you know, you and can really, keep FTR they see, as the tweener champs that kind of have some good morals, but they're still kind of assholes mm-hmm. in the ring. And then you have the elite and and the Bucks specifically who are shifting towards this more right. bad guy side. It could really play into some really clever drama, where you know Here, fans end up not wanting the Bucks the other to win, which is kind of what they would secretly right. want. Right. And then here's the other argument to that, and a little bit of a one-for-one one argument. I can ju- I can go through and justify why each each champion is champion, but if the argument is you're calling out AEW for having former WWE guys as your champions, right? Mm-hmm. Who's your look at the people on WWE? Look at their roster. How many of the people on their current rosters are homegrown? How many of them did they poach from the Indies? Hmm. You know, WWE, you can say that, well, you know, you got nothing but WWE stars. Well, that's because everybody's in fucking WWE at this point. They bought up everybody. So, of course, the people that you get are going to come from WWE because that was the only game in town. Well, and I think, you know, you look at it, and this is kind of why I brought this up, because I I kind of am on the side of, yeah, the WWE guys are, or the former WWE guys are champs, but it's good for business, and... As you build up new stars, when those tag teams or right. Moxley or Brody eventually lose, it's super credible. Right. Name value is definitely a thing, too. And then and then when you have a made star, like let's say Brody Lee eventually loses the belt to Orange Cassidy. I'd be there for it. Um, it might hurt him a little bit because he's this big powerhouse losing to somebody like Orange. But Orange is a hell of, of an athlete, so you know, right. maybe. But it would like, it would build and yeah. elevate Orange to like he's top tier legitimately, mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, giving um, him that additional rub. 
I think there's definitely something to be said for name value. And, you know, as much as you want to talk about AEW, they are still in their first year of business. Their first calendar year is just now finishing up. So, yeah, there are, you do need that name value to draw people to your promotion. You do need that name value where somebody who was watching WWE recognizes the people and say, hey, why are these people more interesting over here? Or, you know, maybe you have... I also think there's a lot of validity to the argument that, yeah, of course they came from WWE because everybody's been through WWE at this point. Anybody that's, you know, got an elevated name recognizable value has either been through WWE, Impact, or AEW at this point. Almost everybody. Um, and anybody who hasn't yet is still an indie project who you see on AEW already. They may not be getting top billing, but that's because you haven't had time to build them up yet. So I still think there's there's some... That's a pretty weak argument to me. If if it's, you know, three and four years down the road and you're still seeing this, yeah, there's an argument there. Um, if you're getting a guy like what impacts really the kind of the standard of it, where they bring in Aaron Rex or Aaron Stevens at the time and now Aaron Rex at in when he was an impact, who comes in, trashes WWE, gets a title push and then drops off the face of the earth because he's a mid carter and always has been. Um, if you had pushed Matt Cardona immediately to the front of the line with a title shot, we'd have had a problem because there's not that much name value there. But I think they're doing well with the people that they have. And even you can argue that Brody is probably the one guy out of there that it seems like they rushed him into something. But they rushed him in, but they're also rushing the faction itself. So they're getting guys like Grayson and Uno and Silver and Reynolds and Five and all the other ones they're getting them more exposure as he gets up there too. So they're using him well. Um, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily have a problem with it myself. So Sure. Um, moving away a little bit from AEW, because really, like I said, all of our AEW headlines are kind of tied in with All Out and the fallout from it. Uh, moving into WWE, uh, sadly, right now, WWE is kind of in the same position it has been for months where it's just so hard to care about some of their shit. There's good and bad, you know, headlines you can hit, but their shows are such a slog right now that it doesn't, it just all feels the same anyway. You, you trudge right from one pay-per-view straight up into the next, you know, we had payback two weeks ago and you know, the week before that was SummerSlam and now we've got clash of champions in like three weeks or two weeks. So it's just this constant barrage of, your ma- your matches don't care, your moments don't matter because you're just it's all in service to get into the next pay per view, which just is in service to get into the next pay per view. It's just this endless endless slog down the way, and it there's really no spirit gets... to thought. There's no, you know, and I think WWE might have gotten a little bit scared of trying to like actually make long term plans because I feel like every time in the past ten years they did that, whoever was a part of those long term plans somehow gets hurt. Well, to me. Just to me, my personal my personal belief is that WWE fucked up with the creation of the network because you they devalued the idea of pay per views with the network because everything is nine ninety nine. You can drop in, drop out whenever you need to, and there's no reason to pay more for WrestleMania because you're already getting it. You're devaluing the idea of pay per views because you're just slogging on to the next one and. 
none of them feel any bigger than the others, other than name and maybe reputation. So when they went to the brand-specific ones, the brand-specific pay-per-views, they, they like tripled the amount of pay-per-views they had on, what was it, 2018 or something like that. God, that and, was crazy. Yeah. Ugh. So you, you have like three weeks between pay-per-views. There's no build for anything. and You have feuds that last forever in a day because it's just one to the next to the next to the next to the next. The best thing WWE probably could have done, and I, I don't know, I'm not, a, I'm not in charge of their finances, and I'm not in charge of you know what they make money-wise, so this is just me what I would love to have seen, is cut back to what AEW is doing. Have four, maybe five pay-per-views a year. Cut back to WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble. Maybe figure in Money in the Bank with that, if you want to keep that as a big thing. And just drop all the other pay-per-views entirely. Let Honestly, your get rid unfold. of Money in the Bank and make it the WrestleMania match again, my opinion. I'm, I'm for that. I got no problem with it. But that enables you to tell longer-form stories. Or, if you don't want to tell longer-form stories, it gives you payoffs on Raw and on SmackDown to get people to watch. You had They had a cage match last night between Dominic Mysterio and Seth Rollins who have been what? feuding for what feels like months on end now. And there was no build-up to it. Or I shouldn't say there's no build, because obviously there's storyline build to it, but they didn't mention on the show last week that, hey, we're going to have a cage match between the two. It just got announced for Raw this week on like their website. It's like, sure, that works when you have a live crowd and you're trying to surprise them, and you can well, get them to they, pop. Because it wasn't even... It, it wasn't a surprise, but it wasn't not a surprise either. It wasn't a surprise they didn't spring it that night. They mentioned it on their website. They announced it a couple of days before the show. So Ugh. you had no build to the cage match. You had no anticipation for a cage match to hype it up. You had, but you didn't get the oh wow pop surprise of hey random cage match either. You just got a blow off match on the middle of Raw that may not even end the feud with no build-up and no payoff, really. So let's say you you spread your pay-per-views out. That could be a feud ender right there. You know, have title matches on on your shows that actually mean something. They're not just getting to the next pay-per-view. Like uh, they had the the, the Street Profits and... uh, uh, Cesaro Viking and Central. Nakamura. Yeah, they had them. They had the two of them fighting in a cross-brand title match last night, or t- not even a title for title, but just a champion versus champion match. You know, mostly because there are no other tag teams on Raw. Full stop. Hey, that's a headline. Yeah. AOP hey. no mo. Yeah. Let, real quick, let's look at the tag teams on Raw. We have the Street Profits. Champions. We have the Viking Raiders. Nope. Eric's or uh, Ivar's having spinal surgery right now. Good luck with that one. Um, we have Garza and Andrade. Nope. They just got broken up. We have Rollins and Murphy. Nope. They're fighting. We have Authors of Pain released. We have. Um, the Hurt Business, kind of? Maybe. They're too busy having a cra- uh, maybe face turn last night of sorts. <laughs> uh, Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. Huh, nope, never mind. That broke them up too. 
uh, Ricochet and, and and Apollo Crews. No, we're we're gonna have them fight over the European title, or the the North American title rather. Holy shit! I was like European title. What they brought it back? Would it have made a difference if they had? No. <laughs> I say European instead of U.S. because they mean the exact fucking same thing. Um. So no, they're literally other than maybe they'll continue to to have the Hurt Business as a team. Maybe not. There's literally no other tag teams on Raw. So, yeah, they kind of have to have a brand extension to fight with the tag teams on uh, on SmackDown who are Cesaro and Nakamura and Lose. the Usos. Wait, nope, one's Hurt and the other's going for the, the world title. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, could be the New Day. Nope, two of them are Hurt. Um, um, Bueller, we don't know. There Bueller. are no other fucking tag teams. Bueller. There are none. Zero. There are no tag team divisions because there are two tag teams right now. And spoiler alert, Vince doesn't care. <laughs> he could give a shit less. So Let's break up some more teams. Happening? What's that? When's unification happening? They won't because there's too much. they think there's too much value and every show has to have the same titles. You remember my fantasy booking from a couple weeks ago that you got the book where I, move, where I unified the titles and moved them around. But no, they'll never do that because they want to have the same, the same belts on the same shows. They've never not had that. Um, I don't even know where I was getting back to, but the uh, the whole idea, and I that was actually one of my things I wanted to hit was tag teams are having trouble. You know, maybe they'll maybe the women's tag division's the solution to that. <laughs> Oops, Ouch. we just broke up the iconics. Oh, oh, and Bailey and Sasha, we broke them up too. Although that one's understandably so. A story three years. You want to talk about another another headline? There's Sasha and Bailey is probably the biggest headline going right now because, as I put out on Twitter, it's a story three years too late in the making. <laughs> Ugh. I, I'm glad they're doing it. I'm glad they're finally doing it, although I have a major, major, major gripe coming up with it this week. You know the story, right? They had Bailey dose straps and two belts banks because we can only focus on so many women at a time. Um, they get moved over uh, to both brands, essentially, because of that. We have Bailey inadvertently costing Sasha her raw strap, and then costing them the tag straps. And then we have Sasha, you know, giving Bailey the side eye the whole time. And you know that Sasha's probably going to turn on Bailey. And then miraculously, after a really good match, Bailey turns on Sasha. Bailey whoops the dog shit. Whoops eight colors of shit out of Sasha. And we get the feud that everybody wants to see. However, they wrote Sasha off for a little bit. They have an injury angle of they had Bailey beat up her already bruised up legs. I I think they called it a bone bruise, but they pilmanized her fucking neck, put the chair over her head, stomped on it from the second rope. That's a significant thing. But my gripe is they had Bailey come out and address the situation last week and say that, yes, I use Sasha. I used you all along great heel work excuse me great heel work and now they're advertising that Sasha's going to be back this week to address it she better come out why fucking neck brace why well why even have her on the show 
like I get that it's your your hot angle or whatever, but it's an injury angle. It's a what should be a significant injury angle. Play it up. You want to get some gunning. drama Maybe out of it. Swerve. You want to get some drama out of it. Have Bailey crush everybody in her sight for the next six weeks, and then have Sasha come back at the Rumble. Sell the injury. Getting your neck pilmanized should mean you're out of, on the shelf for at least a few weeks, probably a month or two. Should be. She shouldn't be out cutting a promo because she shouldn't be able to talk. But no, we got to rush the feud back because they're going to probably have it at Hell in a Cell. Instead of the biggest stage possible where you get the Rumble into Mania and a great story, no, we're probably going to push it at Hell in a Cell because we got to rush that out. We've waited three and a half, four fucking years to have this feud. Now we're going to blow it off in two weeks. Dumb. Dumb all the way around. It's like, okay, we did it. Let's get it over with quick. Yep. Yep. We got we to gotta clear this feud out so somebody can feud with Charlotte when she comes back. <laughs> um, Jesus. And really, you know what the sad thing is? And here's another headline we can ping pong straight to. Um, let's say you write off Sasha for you know, until the Rumble. So two and a half months. Hmm. I wonder if there's something that she can do in the, in the downtime while she's written off with an injury angle. Maybe she could go do some media for Disney. Maybe she can do some interviews about how the fact that she's in the fucking Mandalorian. What? Sasha Banks is in the Mandalorian? Don't bullshit me. I know you saw the trailer today. <laughs> no, I really didn't see it. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're full of shit. No, I, I legitimately I am don't believe. Not it. Full of shit. Do you, do you? Okay, so you're telling me you didn't see the trailer or you didn't see Sasha in it? I didn't see Sasha in any trailer, and I barely saw anything in the trailer. I just saw some clips and was like, I didn't oh, it's, realize there it's was a great trailer, trailer, I guess. It's 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 a it's an erection granter. It's a great trailer. I'm excited for it. I know you're excited for it as well. However, when they get the scene of uh, she's talking about the Jedi, you hear the, I think it's the armorer talking to him about the ancient sorcerers known as the Jedi. Okay. Look over his shoulder. There's a woman staring straight at him in a hood and robes, staring straight at the Mandalorian. And it ain't Rosario Dawson. Hmm. Go back and watch it, man. I'm telling you. That is 1,000% Sasha Banks, who's rumored to be, to be playing Sabine Wren. Damn. The Mandalorian Jedi. That's amazing. So, if that's the case, that's not a minor part. If that's the case, Sasha needs to be doing some interviews. Give her some time off to go do those. You know, it's it's she already took time off to film the goddamn thing. Let it breathe, let it work. Let some stories be told, build up some drama and actually have the feud progress naturally instead of trying to shoehorn it in immediately. But this is WWE we're talking about, so nothing makes sense and there's no continuity in anything. Look at retribution. What do you think about that? Um, I'll read you directly from my head, the, the note I made for my story for my headline for Retribution. And I quote, I still hate Retribution. <laughs> I, they're cutting promos now. Bad, badly written, terrible, terrible promos. Um, Did they unmask yet? Nope. Nope. Not yet. Um, and I don't want them to at this point because if it is who I think it is, it's going to make me even more angry. Um, 
but yeah, they're cutting promos now, and they've they finally got the memo and used the screens for the Thunderdome to show Retribution logos and look like they're actually, you know, hacking into or taking over something. But the rumored main members of Retribution right now, and they were all on screen last night. If if you're looking at uh, the people in their black getups, and you can kind of see who's who, if you know who you're looking at, Dominic Dijakovic. Mercedes Martinez, both of whom have been pretty much written off NXT at this point. Mia Yim, Shane Thorne, and Dio Madden. Now, one of these things is not like the other. One of these things is Dio Madden, who, other than his you know brief guest spot announcing on Raw, we've not seen. So, like, he didn't even have matches in NXT, so whatever. But... The three names sticking out to me, and I got nothing against Shane Thorne, but Mercedes Martinez, Mia Yim, and Dominic Dijakovic. Those are three fantastic wrestlers. People that should be getting a push on their own right. Mercedes Martinez should be running your fucking women's division. That should be who's feuding with Charlotte and with Sasha and with Bailey. Mercedes Martinez is legitimately one of the best women's wrestlers on the planet. Mia Yim's not that far behind. I'm not as big a fan of her, but she is not that far behind. And I've talked about Dijakovic many times. I'm a big fan. And all three of them specifically deserve a shitload better than having their WWE runs tied to that shit show of a gimmick. Okay, because so if, I guess if my they thing un- is this. Uh, Do you think that the gimmick is going to ruin their careers, or do you think that these people who are all very talented, I mean, listen, I'm a fan of Mia Yim. It makes sense she's coming to Raw or whatever because obviously Keith Lee's there. Right, right. But, and of course, Keith Lee, Dijakovic, that's amazing to have that happening too. Right. So I guess how long does the charade go on before they unmask and they reveal, oh, we were just, you know, pissed off that we, you know, collectively none of us were taken seriously in NXT. Well, I mean, that's, that's the gimmick. The ro- that's mad. that's exactly the gimmick they're working with right now. Is they they felt like they were overlooked or they were lied to, so now they're going to burn WWE down from the inside out. That's the retribution gimmick. But it's so poorly done. This is Ace of the Nates all over again, almost worse. It's the worst of of Nexus mixed with the worst of Aces, Aces and Eights because. They have not done anything remotely impactful yet. They haven't. They've yet to interfere with any pay-per-views. For one, for someone who's, you know, claiming to be anarchist, they get plenty of shots to deal something with the pay-per-views, and they refuse to. Um, their promos are god awful so far. Like whoever's writing them cannot fucking write. For one, I, I'm not even going to look at. I'm not even going to give you the 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 write out of the promo itself because it hurts my sensibilities to do so but promos are terribly written and you know we've talked about it since day one an antifa gimmick and making an antifa heel gimmick is just all kinds of tone deaf and the most damning thing to me was last night because they interfered in the match with uh, between keith lee and uh Drew McIntyre, ruin the match, no finish. And who comes out to put a stop to it but the Hurt Business, the heel team, right? How is that not a face turn, for one? Even a, even a tweener turn. 
Hmm. But you're telling me that they can attack your champion. They can attack the newest member of the roster that everybody respects. They can attack Rey Mysterio and his entire family. They can attack random people in the crowd. And the only people who give a shit enough to stop them are a heel team? The rest of your locker room doesn't give a shit about them? Really? It is 2020. Your big, your big threat and the rest of the locker room apparently doesn't give a shit enough about them to actually try to stop them from doing anything? How threatening do they look? Not at all. They look like they are completely, as a gimmick-wise, they're completely interchangeable with Tozawa's ninjas at this point. And not just in appearance. It's, it's the, the retribution gimmick has been a dud from the word go. Every step that they've made with them has been poorly done. They show up on SmackDown after the match is over to tear up the ring. You know, they attack a bunch of people in the crowd, but no one seems to care. They beat up legends and people that, you know, should be respected and should be defended and no and have no repercussions on anything. The best they've got is the running uh, Adam Pierce can't control his, his, his uh, backstage gig. And that's not where you want to be. So to have this all-time bad failure at every turn gimmick who at its best even if they'd have booked everything correctly is still in terribly poor taste and you're going to tie three promising careers into that I don't think it'll ruin their careers no to answer your question I don't think it's going to ruin Dominic Dijakovic's career I do think it'll ruin his time in WWE I do think that it will send any of the three of them, once their contracts are over, unless they somehow get out of the gimmick and get repackaged, hopefully so, it's going to send them to AEW. It's going to send them someplace else because they're going to be fucking bad juju. You know, I, I want to... I want to be excited about Dominic Dijakovic going to the WWE or going to the main roster and having those matches with Keith Lee, but I'm not about to get excited to see him, you know, try to cut these stupid and uh, wannabe Antifa promos that sound like they were written by a third grader when promos were never his strength to begin with. I'm not going to be excited to see Mercedes Martinez, who should be a world beater and was treated as a world beater on NXT. Um tied in with a a gimmick like this when she is older than most of the people on the roster and may not have that long of a run left. This is her final shot at credibility and well-deserved, and you're going to give her that shit? Fuck off with that. There's a lot of bad things going on with WWE, and they, whether it's in front of the camera, behind the scenes, whatever, but Retribution is one of the worst comma or worst period full period, gimmicks, period, on WWE right now. It's the worst thing about their programming. This is the worst gimmick <laughs> I've ever yeah. seen. I I cannot begin to describe it. Again, I'm on Twitter. I'm, I'm following this shit as people are talking about it. There ain't a damn bit of positivity going for it. No one 
is giving that gimmick any sort of credibility, even knowing exactly who's under the mask. We may not have the f- official reveal yet, but you know you can tell who it is. And it's not helping. There's no, well, well, Dijakovic's going to, you know, once he gets the mask off, he'll have some good matches. Give him a chance. He'll, he'll, he'll overcome it. No. There's no chance of it because no one wants to see retribution at all, no matter who's in it. It's just bad all the way around. They go to reveal retribution. It's literally just eight Vences. <sighs> it was me, Raw. Me all <laughs> along. Damn it. Maybe, maybe we can just suck it up, and it's Hornswoggle, and he was the, uh, he was, the, he was, he was uh, retribution. He's also the anonymous Raw GM. Same way, right? Just handwave that whole thing. Or maybe let's just do this. Just do a fucking spirit squad and put it on a put them in a box labeled "send to OVW" or some shit. Jesus, just get rid of it. Um, out of all of this, and despite the retribution thing hanging over all of it, you do have some good things. You do have Keith Lee getting a push that seems to be possibly a main event push. You know, they did have a match where he could have been injected into the title feud last night. So I mean the Despite the fact that the music's still bad, the gear is getting slightly better. He wore a singlet last night, but the booking seems to at least show that he is being taken seriously. So there's hope for that. Uh, they finally turned Cedric Alexander heel. The Hurt Business actually recruited somebody. Hmm. Yeah, they turned Cedric heel. Great call. Uh, let's hope that. I said, honestly, let him go franchise out. Let him be the Hurt Business on 205 Live again. You know, maybe he's going to do that. Um, But, yeah, they've got at least a different storyline. So, cool. Good for Cedric. He needed it. He was a bland-as-hell face because he's got – he's great in the ring but doesn't have much in the way of personality. So, sure, go for it. Let him go. We get ricochet matches out of it. I'm cool with it. Fine. Um. You have the Sasha and Bailey storyline is going well. Uh, Sammy uh, Sammy Zayn's back, and he looks like what would happen if you force fed Fidel Castro Operation Ivy albums for a long time. It's fun. Um, yes. <clears throat> well, have you seen the guy? He's coming out in the full Castro gear, just with a giant red afro oh, <laughs> or yeah, red I curly saw. hair. He looks like uh, he looks like ska punk meets you know <laughs> Cuban Missile Crisis. It's great. And he's like such an annoying, punk. wonderful, like aggravating heel. But yeah, you love him. I'm for it. And if you're getting a a, a potential match between him and Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles, sure, I'm for it. Um, we have uh, possibly the return of Carmella. They've been hyping up or showing vignettes for this uh, woman that you see her in heels and you know putting her gear on and then. It seems pretty clear that it's Carmella because they had the fur coat on her. Mm-hmm. So I think we're getting some vignettes and maybe getting back to the mob wives type of Carmella, which, hey, I'm all for it. She can do character work. Cool. Um, staying in the women's division with character work, uh, we have The Fiend has affected uh, Nikki, or not Nikki Cross, but uh, Alexa Bliss. Um, we have Stockholm Syndrome Alexa Bliss, essentially, who... Uh, actually gave Nikki Cross a sister Abigail, a very good sister Abigail the other day. 
and then wandered off backstage. We have a new character in the in the Firefly Funhouse. Tell me you saw that. No, I didn't. Oh my good god! Um, I, I I'm not going to take the time. My my iPad is dying, so I'm not going to take the time to send you the link. But um, they teased and teased that they were going to have a new member of the Firefly Funhouse on SmackDown last week, and. Everybody and their mother thinks it's Alexa Bliss because it makes absolute sense. I mean, she is she's been transitioning more to the Harley Quinn type, and what's more Harley Quinn than you know being enamored with your evil overlord boss? Um, yeah. And right before the Firefly Funhouse segment, we had her in that match where she Sister Abigail, Nikki Cross, and just wandered off backstage like in a trance. So, yeah, it made sense that she's going to be in the Funhouse. Well, here's what we got. We have Bray introduces a new member of the Funhouse, and he says it's going to be Pasquale the uh, Parrot, I think it was. And it was an empty box that did, nobody, nobody showed up, and he joked around, like, well, maybe I should have poked some air holes in it. Ha, ha, ha. Funny enough. And then we get the McMahon puppet that comes out and blames him for you know dropping the ball and for not being able to carry the show and not being able to you know to be the one to trust and getting kind of a meta thing that with him in the title maybe and why they took the belt off of him but he says well no i we have a new member and i know exactly and he pulls the such good shit line again and introducing the newest member it is a walrus puppet with a receding hairline and a suit called Polly called Wobblin' Walrus. Oh my god. They introduced himself as my name or ladies and gentlemen, my name is Wobblin' Walrus. It is a I clear as day, thinly I, the thinnest of veils reference to the Polrus. And I, I died. I was laughing my ass off because it's so fucking meta and not what I expected in the least. And yet still gives a little bit of a tie back to his feud with Reigns and Paul Heyman. Um, the once you took the belt off of the Fiend. So there is a little bit of continuity there. But it was so out of left field to see Paul Heyman on there or a Paul Heyman mock-up that I, I lost it. I, I was applauding sitting in my living room, literally clapping. Well done. Um, and to touch a little bit back onto um, really what is the best thing, well, I wouldn't say the best thing, but one of the two best things on Raw and SmackDown right now, you have two very, very, very good heels. Three if you want to count Randy. Um, the Randy and... Uh, uh, Drew McIntyre feuds kind of getting stale a little bit because they're doing the same thing that I complained about with Sasha Banks where they're downplaying injuries. Uh, you have McIntyre get punted. Not once, not twice, but three times in one night. And he's back with a you know fractured jaw, supposedly, within two weeks. Hmm. Um, Orton got claymored not once, not twice, but three times last week. And they're playing him off and maybe being hurt. So it's it's kind of getting a little hard to suspend disbelief when both of them should be out and recovering from injuries right now. Uh, supposedly they're building to an ambulance match, which, eh. 
you can argue about the optics of having an ambulance match right now when people probably could use ambulances for better things than WWE matches. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> but we'll move on. The, when I say the two great heels, one's Seth Rollins and one's Roman Reigns. Uh, yeah. Seth, I've talked about. Seth, I've talked about many times on the show before. His Monday Night Messiah character is the best character work, full stop, that he has done as a heel yet, and he is nailing every aspect of it. Uh, they may, like I said earlier, they may be splitting up him and Murphy. Um, they had Murphy cost him the match against Dominic a couple weeks ago at Payback, and then um, just last night during he told. Uh, he like told Murphy not to interfere in his match last week and not to come out. He didn't want to see him, didn't want to talk to him. Uh, Murphy's kind of dejected, looks like a kick puppy. And then this past week on Raw, or I guess last night on Raw, I should say, um, Murphy comes up to him and tries to apologize, and Seth's really you know, forgiving of him, and then straight up does the scene from Mallrats uh, where he uh, Ben Affleck slams uh, one Brody Bruce up against the wall in the hallway and like, just lectures him. It's really Damn. uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, he like slaps him and then just like chokes him up against the wall and says, "Do not interfere in my match. Don't come out. Don't come out." It just turns on a dime. Um, and then during the cage match uh, we mentioned earlier, Murphy does come out and slips Rollins a, a kendo stick. Um, at one point, accidentally hits Rollins with the cage door, leading to almost a loss. Um. Which, real quick aside about that cage match, I wanted to point out. Here's a, a little bit of logic disconnect. And one thing I hate about WWE cage matches is the escape clause. I hate it. If you're in a, in a blood feud that requires a cage match, why are you trying to escape? <laughs> um, mm. But you have Dominic coming out and saying, I'm doing this to defend my family. I'm doing this to defend my family's honor. I have to put a stop to Seth. And then he tries to escape within probably 30 seconds of the match starting. <laughs> Twice. It just it's so dumb. Um, anyway, uh, during the match, Murphy uh, hits Rollins with the cage door. It almost costs Rollins the match. Rollins still ends up winning. Um, and then he snaps on Murphy and beats the shit out of him. Screams at him and everything. You have a little bit of a weird moment where Mysterio's daughter kind of shows some pity on him, which is kind of in- interesting. Um, but Rollins has this killer line as he's walking out of the arena past uh, Ray's wife. And daughter standing right there. And he looks and the, the camera catches it perfectly. And Seth looks over and says, good job you did there. Hope she turns out better. Whoa. And I'm like, oh my oh, shit. God. That is absolutely beautiful heel work. I mean, it wasn't set into a microphone or anything like that. They just had the mic close enough where it caught him saying it to her. And it's just such a killer line. Mm. Um. Meanwhile, you get over onto SmackDown, and Reigns is everything you wanted him to be as a heel. He hasn't done anything overtly heelish yet, other than not showing up on time for his matches. Like, he shows up halfway through. Um, he's doing the, uh, he's, you know, kicking people low and all that. So there's some heelish stuff there. But he's so soft spoken. He's not angry. He's not, you know, he's just absolutely confident. And he's letting Heyman do some of the talking for him, not all of it, which is a nice refresher. It's kind of a, it actually reminds me a lot of the CM Punk Paul Heyman pairing, which was cool. Um, but we get 
a feud between him and Jey Uso. And he really calmly tells Jay, you know, hey, I'm real happy for you. You know, this is going to be more money for your family. This is a good deal. I'm Good times for our family. That's great. But don't get it twisted. I'm going to whoop your ass like we did when we were kids. Whoa. That'll be the end of it. Like, he's like, he straight up said that. He's like, you know, I'm happy for you. This is a great thing. It's a great moment for you. But don't think you're going to get one of the moments. And he says, like, he catches him looking down at the boat. Don't look at the belt. Look at me. Like, he straight up says, don't, I'm, I'm talking to you. Don't look at the belt. You look at me. And he goes, I'm going to beat your ass like I did when we were kids. And that'll be the end of it. And then, then it's all love after that. Like, he literally is like, I'll beat your ass like I did when we were kids. And it's all love after that. So there he is in no uncertain terms. He's telling you, I'm going to whoop the shit out of you. And, you know, Uso kind of takes it, like, kind of chuckles and kind of laughs it off a little bit. But he's still a little confused by it. And um, they're playing up that Reigns is being... Not just like not being overly nice to him, but you can tell from listening to him talk that yeah, he's being really he's he's being calm, cool, and collected. But he is going to absolutely murder him the second he gets a chance to. Like it's gonna, I'm thinking of this the the feud with him and Uso is a great idea. Um, it's not gonna. I don't think it should be a competitive match at all. I'm not gonna say it's a squash. Like don't end it in 30 seconds, but. Let Reigns just unleash a prison yard beating on his own flesh and blood just because he feels it's his chance to. Lesner because he feels like Lesner I'm Lesnar SummerSlam Cena. Yeah, that's exactly what I want it to be. Maybe less suplexes, but just make it uncomfortable. There's your goal. There's your there's your your goal. Make it uncomfortable to watch Reigns just mercilessly beat the hell out of him. And then shake his hand afterward and say, "My yard, ain't nobody taking this from me." That's that's what he needs to do. You don't need to make it underhanded. You don't need to make it, you know, dastardly heel tactics. Maybe you kick him low just for the hell of it. I don't know, but make him be the guy that that is the opposite of McIntyre, where McIntyre is the fighting champion who, you know, says he's going to fight and backs up his every word. Make Reigns the guy who. Doesn't have to get angry. Doesn't have to, you know, pump his fists and, and, and get, you know, rage or whatever. Don't let him, you know, let him be calm, cool, and collected and just out and out beat people down. You know? Well, that and then also you can do things like, like alternately. You don't have to make him a monster like, like, like Lesnar. You don't have to make him overpowering. You don't have to make him, you know, the powerhouse that just flat out out muscles you and is just an unstoppable force. But make him this, make him the Tom Brady of the WWE. Make him so, make him know that he is the best person there and back up everything he's doing. And this is coming from somebody who fucking hates Tom Brady. <laughs> I vibe that totally. So he is, that is a great heel pairing. Every note that they've had with Rain since he came back has been pitch perfect. Surprisingly. That's great to see. Yeah, I'd agree. You you don't exactly give WWE, you know, much credit in hoping they're gonna run with something right. You know what I mean? Well, they very seldom they, do the right thing. <laughs> no, they and don't. it's like you know, you talk about Sasha Bailey three years too late. This is Roman right. Reigns heel turn five years too late, essentially. Right. I do want to. I do want to stop and say something that's kind of unusual in the sense that we've gotten this far and we barely talked about NXT at all. 
Um, yeah. And that's really big. NXT's kind of in a weird... They have a new champ, but NXT's kind of in a weird place right now. And part of it's with the the moving things around. Part of it is to calling people up. Um, part of it is having Karrion Cross, you know, not ready at the moment. Um, they've had their two Super Tuesday shows in a row, which is, again, good ratings for them. They're running on Missed opposed. opportunity on Super Tuesday, too. What's that? They should have just called it Super Tuesday. <laughs> uh, I don't know. They... The only thing I think of when I think of Super Tuesday is politics, and I don't want them to lean into that. So I'm kind of glad they just left it where it was, I guess. There, It, it kind of comes with this whole idea with WWE now where they're giving everything taglines for no real purpose. Like you have Super Tuesday, you had um, you know, WrestleMania too big for just one night, and then... Uh, Extreme Rules Horror Show. Extreme Rules, the horror show, and the greatest match, the greatest match ever, ever, the greatest wrestling match ever, Backlash, and then you'll never see it coming, Payback, and and now Clash of Champions, Gold Rush, and then they actually had a tagline for Raw. It was Raw in your face last night, which no, <laughs> no, no to all of that. But Stop they're just throwing it. shit at a wall and thinking it sticks, honestly. But NXT's kind of a weird spot because. It just feels like they're in a transitional period a little bit. Like they're moving people around, and because they're having to move the timing on their shows, uh, they're just coming off a takeover. They're not quite building up a lot of new stuff, but they have to build up new stuff because they're on USA and have to have big moments every night now. So NXT's just kind of in a weird spot. Um, But the big news being that, yes, Balor is your new champion. First, uh, the longest-running or one of the longest-running uh, NXT champions of all time, and one of the best-known is now your tag champ or your NXT champion again. Uh, of note, they did have uh, uh, Adam Cole afterwards go into the back and congratulate him, and you know, kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and say, you know, I'm real happy for you, blah blah blah. And then when interviewed, said, you know, he beat me tonight, but maybe next time it's different, and uh, I think next time it will be different. So really. Humble and very, 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 very baby face of Adam Cole out of nowhere. Mm. So, I... And we've also had a couple of Kyle O'Reilly matches. There's still something with me kind of holding a little candle to the idea that they're going to turn Cole face and have the rest of the era turn heel on him. Kind of hoping we see it. We might see an Undisputed Era breakup. I'm for it just because I kind of like the idea of Kyle O'Reilly being a focal point for a little while. I'm a big fan, so... Sure. It's something new for them without calling them up. And for the love of God, please don't call them up. So I'm for it. If that's the way they want to go, I'm for it. Um, and really, that's the last of the headlines I have. Um, I know we kind of slammed right through them, and we're about an hour 45 in, looks like. But uh, it was kind of a – I'm not going to say a slow week. Obviously, we're getting two hours on the show that's a slow week. But – yeah. Um, not quite as much as previous and not as much as I'm sure we'll see in the future. I know probably next time we talk we'll have uh, Clash of Champions uh, either Fallout or Lead Up. I, not, I can't remember when the mat, when the show actually is, but uh, we'll be talking more about that. AEW should have more storylines going forward. We'll have a better idea of what NXT is doing. Maybe we'll have the reveal of Retribution. I can bitch more about that. <laughs> 
that that ain't a candle you're gonna have to worry about going out anytime soon. I'm gonna have some vitriol for them every time they're on screen. Ugh, it's just all kinds of ugly. I do want to point out they're still doing uh, Raw Underground. Uh, they had Strowman on Raw Underground, which is kind of funny. I guess we're getting uh, him versus that David Cato next week. Uh, okay. Which, sure, I'm here for a hoss fight, whatever. Um, Alistair Black and Kevin Owens are having a decent little feud. They put uh, Alistair in pleather lack or pleather black pants last night that looked like they were way too small and looked very uncomfortable. I made the comment on Twitter that, okay, so we finally figured out that uh, Alistair's like, smoke-filled room that he's been waiting in is apparently a gimp closet. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, he looks he looked less um badass crazy you know satanic kickboxer and more like vinyl fetish but okay whatever hey. um we had Zelina Vegas oh we didn't touch on the uh Mickey James thing um Oscar Mickey James had a title match last night that had a very very weird ending that we still don't know the full scope on yet Thunderdome uh, screw job well, it could be a number of things. Could be Thunderdome screw job if it was intentional. I know Nick Aldis will probably say that they're trying to bury his wife again because he likes doing that. Um, it could be that she was legitimately hurt. I know. I think Foley actually made a comment that he thought she was hurt. Um, like somebody swears they could have heard her say something about a shoulder popping out to the ref afterwards. Um, I'm kind of leaning along the lines that I think it was just a flat out ref botch because she looked very confused by it too. So I think it was just a flat-out ref botch, but uh, who knows. Um, but yeah, we got Zelina Vega is apparently jumping to the head of the line to challenge Asuka, which that sounds like a good way to die, sure. <laughs> I, I don't see a world where Bianca Belair, who can't even get on TV, is beating Zelina twice, and Zelina's suddenly going to challenge Asuka of all people. I can imagine worse ways to you know get yourself killed, but okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll have some more things to talk about on the next show from the fallout of Raw and things that they're getting better or getting worse, I'm sure. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of a slower week that we can still find a lot of shit to talk about. Yeah, no, we did. We definitely found a lot of things to discuss and dive into, you know, uh, with wrestling, it's an ever spinning wheel. You know, this is the first, I want to just mention that this is the first season of Journey into Wrestling that did go a whole calendar year used to be that it, right after WrestleMania, we took a little bit of a break over the summer, yeah. and then we came back strong. This year, there's been so much wrestling nonstop. It's almost impossible to take time off. Cause there is there is one things. constant. There is one constant, a North Star that we can always come back to. Professional wrestling. Well, no, I was going to say Kevin Dunn's terrible camera work, but wrestling works too. <laughs> I actually wanted to mention that I saw NXT something. I, I was watching the fi fucking Finn Balor uh, Adam Cole mm -hmm. match and there were a couple like really quick jump cuts and I was like did Kevin Dunn get his fingers on this one too Jesus um, you want to talk bad there was a moment last night that is the worst Kevin Dunn bit I've seen yet I mean his the uh, the raw underground spots are still pretty much consistently really bad because he really goes full bore on the shaky cam stuff there but like I said, they interrupted the uh, the inter retribution interrupted the Keith Lee Drew McIntyre match, and it was almost impossible to see it because of how many jump cuts and how many zooms and shaky camera shits he threw in there. You could barely tell what was going on, 
and not in the good, oh my god, it's chaos kind of way, but in the, okay, dude, put the camera down for a, like, five Slow seconds, Slow down and please. let me see what's happening. Yes. Like, yeah, it was it was ugly. I made a I made a joke on Twitter that if Kevin Rus- Kevin Dunn was a wrestler, his move would be the death by one thousand and one camera cuts. <laughs> the camera cutter. Well, his death would be a th- it would be death by a thousand camera cuts. <laughs> Amazing. It's it is remarkable, remarkable how bad that was last night. And unfortunately, it's also not remarkable in the sense that we see it every fucking week. <laughs> every every time I see it, I keep thinking back. Bring me the head of Kevin Dunn. I'm gonna. I need that on a shirt, man. I. I he is. If Retribution is the worst angle, the worst gimmick on Raw or, or on WWE as a whole, he is one of the worst things about WWE as a whole. Is the fact that he continues to have some sort of draw or push. That allows Vince to just let him have free reign over everything. It's ridiculous. Go Those back and watch AEW. Dogs need to get out of the kitchen. It's time. Go watch. Go watch AEW. Go watch some indie work. Indie, even indie shows that don't have hard cams. They're filming on fucking phones. Have better camera work than Kevin Dunn with his billion dollar enterprise behind him. He's the Michael Bay of professional wrestling. There you go. He, he's the Michael Bay of professional wrestling. Oh, that's like makes Michael Bay that's look not worse. good. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> that, that, that's saying He's, something when you can make Michael Bay look worse than he already is. Uh, that's a that's a real slight against the person. Uh, um, yeah, but yeah, buckles. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to dive into before we get out of here this week? Um, what's your uh, what's your take on WWE releasing a bunch of people that had been furloughed? Yeah, I mean it's coming. It's that's what they're gonna keep doing. They're doing shit like this. They're trying to make money and keep their bottom dollar and keep their fucking investors happy through the coronavirus. Once again, Vince you got a criminal. They're That's not all doing it. To, they're not doing it to save money. They're not doing it because they're losing money. I can't say it enough. They're not doing it because they're you know they're scrimping and saving. They're they're projecting a record year profit wise. Record yep. year. And all they're doing is protecting that projection. And that's disgusting. But uh, I don't know. I've I've got the WWE fucking needle on my arm. I keep watching it anyway. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a slow death, my friend. Yes, it is. It's a death by a thousand and one Kevin Dunn cuts. <laughs> There's uh, your show title. <laughs> I actually have the show title. I'll throw it. What's out the show title? Lay it on me, man. But that's a good one. But that's gonna do it for this week. As always, gotta let you guys know where you can check us out. It's every other Wednesday right here on the Journey Into Comics Network at journeyintocomics.com. Get us on all the different podcasting platforms, iTunes, Apple Music, whatever the fuck you want to call it, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, CastBox, Spotify, TuneIn. Hey, Alexa, play podcasts by Journey Into Comics Network. That'll probably trigger if you have an Alexa in your house, just letting you know. Uh, But I think that is going to do it for this week. Buckles, anything else to add before we officially dive down? Uh, same thing I always bring up every week. If you're uh, if you're watching Raw, jump on Twitter. Come follow me on follow us on JIW on JIC. I live tweet every Raw. I try to leave, live tweet SmackDown as well. Come hang out and uh, enjoy my psychosis and chime in along with me. Absolutely, he kills it over there, guys. There's points in the night when he's doing the live tweeting of the shows. I'll look down on my phone and I'll have like 87 notifications, <laughs> and I'm like 87. What the f- Fuck. That's my my goal every Raw and SmackDown is to make fun of the show and to make Nate's phone explode. 
It usually does, and it's usually really funny, and I laugh. I'm like, killing it, Buckles. And usually I'll sit there and see, like, oh, he, he that's a really good way to say whatever's happening. And you usually have a lot of people respond to your cleverness, which is good. Um, I, I wish I wish I had done something before we started all of it. I wish I had taken note of what the number of tweets before I started doing that was. It was probably three. I, I can't tell you, but I'm not going to go back and try to track it down because I don't have that kind of time. I feel but, like it was less than five. <laughs> we have. I'm curious. I have to look it up real quick to see what our current current number of tweets is. And this is mostly. I'm going to say that 99.9 percent of them are from live tweeting of the show and it's my my random inane and insane ramblings and and comments and tweets back to things. And me once in a while getting a hit. Yep. Uh, let's see. We are currently, well, oh, it's not going to tell me. Oh, darn. I would hope, maybe, I, maybe I'm not good enough at Twitter. I thought it would actually have a number of tweets here, but nope. It used to. I don't think they have it anymore. I also went to look. No, who knows, but um, even so, GIW on, on JIC, come follow us. Come join in the conversation. Come bullshit with me. Let me know I'm not the only insane person watching Raw or SmackDown. Let us know your thoughts. Absolutely. Maybe you like Retribution. Maybe you're a masochist. I don't know. <laughs> if you're a masochist, maybe you want to maybe you want to put on Alistair Black's pants. I don't know. Ooh, double down! <laughs> yikes! Yikes! So, that's all I got. I, I'm I am in the, in the in the grand wrestling match of life. I am the table. <laughs> he is the table. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, as always, for Journey into Wrestling, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, the season finale of season four, also known as season four, episode 26, the worst gimmick I've ever seen. <laughs> I've been Nate. Oh, God help me. I'm Buckles, and I'm still walking this earth. And we'll see you guys next time in season five. Keep well. We'll see you guys later. <laughs>